This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want you to note with me what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to speak to you on the subject of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. And as I think about our nation and where we are and we're in perilous times, the Bible tells us that. So it should not take us by surprise, should it? The Bible said this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we are living in those perilous times. The word perilous of course means dangerous. And we live in dangerous times. Not just physically dangerous and it is physically dangerous. But it is deceptive and wicked and enticing and seductive. And these dangers uh, will lead us and lead souls who do not know Jesus down a road that will uh, settle for them uh, a terrible fate in a place called hell. And we see what is happening in America. No nation has ever had such a Christian beginning as this nation. And Alexis de Tocqueville, the French historian and writer, wrote these words when he surveyed America. He said, the greatness of America is not in its industry, not in its, its army, and not in, in, in the things that the world would look at. He said, the greatness of America is in her churches. And he wrote these words, when America ceases to be godly, America will cease to be great. And I want to tell you, if you really are interested in making America great and keeping America great, there's only one way to do that. And it's not through political parties. It's only through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this world where we're so seemingly so divided, along so many lines, it looks hopelessly divided, doesn't it? And many people are in despair on all sides of all issues. 
And many people are getting desperate on all sides of all issues. But the one people that's not getting desperate are God's people. And friend, we're the ones who need to get desperate. We need to get desperate for God. We need to get desperate for revival. We need to get desperate enough to humble ourselves and, and confess our sins before God and call upon him. And God said when we get that desperate, when we get that humble, when we begin to call on him, God said then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin and he will heal our land. Boy, our land needs to be healed, doesn't it? The blood of 60 million Innocent babies. That blood is on the hands of this nation. This land needs to be healed. Oh, there's so many things I could say and so many things that you already know. But I want to get right to the meat of the thing and that is the heart of the, uh, of the problem and how the problem can be solved. There is no other mechanism by which it can be solved but simply through this one the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now Paul's going to Rome as his desire. He expresses it in verse number 13. He wants to go to Rome. That's the world capital at that point. That's the seat of power for the world empire. Uh, Rome controlled most of the civilized world at that point. And Paul said, I want to go to Rome and preach the gospel. You see, the hope for Rome is the hope for America is the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, Rome is on a course of implosion when Paul writes this letter. And eventually we understand that the Roman Empire will be destroyed, not by enemies without, but from enemies within. Just as we see happening in our own nation today. But Paul, he, he addressed the problem and he he, he diagnosed the problem and he had the right prescription for the problem. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been reminded this week that the Great Commission is a two-pronged commission. It is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church here. Amen? Amen. And may God help us that it will always be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. We believe the Bible needs to be taught. We believe the Bible needs to be preached. We believe the Bible uh, will help us and instruct us. It will help us. It will equip us. The Bible says, uh, truly furnishing us, making us perfect. That means complete, mature. All that we need, we find in the Word of God. We believe in the inspiration of the Bible, that it comes from God by His Spirit through the human penman. We believe that. We believe in the preservation of the Bible. We believe that God not only inspired His Word, but that He preserved it and He kept it. And thanks be unto God, we have it today, the Word of God. Heaven and earth, He said, will pass away, but my Word will not pass away. Praise God for that. And so we believe in the inspiration of the Bible and the preservation of the Bible. We believe in the sufficiency of the Scripture. That the preaching of the Word of God will get the job done. Uh, we believe in that. We believe in the transformational ability of the Scripture. 
to change lives. Not only will it change your eternal destiny, but it will change who you are. If you want to be a better husband, better employer, a better Christian, a better man, a better wife, a better woman, a better mother, a better child, a better citizen, then you need to fill your heart and mind with the word of God. We believe that here. Amen? And we want to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. But can I tell you, we can be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church and still fall short. Because we need not only to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, we need to be a going church. You see, the Bible says, go ye into all the world. In Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, go ye therefore and teach all nations. You see, we, we, can, we can be Bible believers and Bible preachers and Bible students and Bible teachers. But we've got to put our shoes on and get out in the streets and we've got to tell people about Jesus. And if we want to see lasting change take place, not for the good of America, but for the glory of God. Not to save life as we know it in this culture, but to save souls from eternal damnation and hell. Then there's only one way to do that. That is to take the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. And so to be successful at one thing and to fail at the other means we are not succeeding. And may God stir our hearts and may God move us to be an evangelistic going church. Not just a gospel knowing church, but a gospel going church. And so he says, the gospel of Christ. And I want you to note three things, and I hope you'll write them down. First of all, I want you to see the payment of the gospel. The payment of the gospel. We live in a nation, thank God, that is free. But we understand that freedom came at a price, did it not? The Bible tells us in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those of us who know Jesus, we enjoy that everlasting life. But here's what we need to remember. That everlasting life comes with a price. And the price was paid at Calvary by the precious Son of God who gave his life for us. We who live in this nation enjoy its freedom, but I want you to know the price has been paid by men and women who have fought and sacrificed and given their lives and, and, and given of themselves to defend, uh, to, to win our freedom, number one, and to defend our freedom all of these years. You see, this freedom isn't free. It costs something. And Paul recognized that. Notice what he says in verse number 14. I am, notice the word please, debtor. Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. I don't imagine I have a, a lot of, uh, I won't have a lot of uh, trouble here explaining the notion of what a debtor is. Most people understand what that means. If you own a house or a car that you didn't pay cash money for, then you are a debtor. 
if you have a credit card, which is not probably the greatest thing you could do, you are a debtor, most likely. In other words, you owe somebody something. Something you have that you haven't fully been able to pay for. Uh, it, it, it's yours. It's in your possession. But, but you still owe on that. You are now a debtor. And Paul said, Jesus Christ paid for my salvation. And by the way, you and I can never repay him for what he's given to us freely. And it is a free gift. But having received the free gift of salvation, Paul lived in this reality that with much blessing, to whom much is given, much will be required. And Paul lived with this notion constantly at the forefront of his heart and mind that because he had been freely given salvation, because he was a recipient of that wonderful gift, he now is a debtor to the one who gave it to him that he would take that gift and give it to as many people as he possibly could by presenting to them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I am debtor. Now notice who he's debtor to. The Greeks. That's the refined people. The cultural people. The learned people of the day. And as cultural and as refined and as learned as they were, do you know what they worshipped? They worshipped pagan gods. Figments of their imaginations that were so far-fetched, it's hard to believe that a culture that, that was that educated and that refined could possibly believe those things to be true. By the way, we're living in a culture just like that. Where we've chosen to, to worship man and creation rather than uh, the creator. Uh, our gods have become ourselves and our technology and, and our ideologies and, and education and materialism. Those are the gods that uh, Americans worship today. And Paul said, I'm a debtor to them because they need the gospel. He also said to the barbarians, that's the unrefined, that, that's the people... Huh, who don't have those advantages and the people who haven't grown up that way and the people who don't have that wisdom. Maybe that's the people that those uh, Greeks and those Romans would have looked down upon. Without doubt it is. Paul said, I'm a debtor to them. He said, I got to get the gospel to as many people as I possibly can, both to the wise and to the unwise. He said, I am a debtor. We understand this was a motivating factor in the life of Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. He said, you know, this possession that we've been given, this message of the gospel, this eternal life, this truth of God's word, we are stewards of it. In other words, we're not managing our affairs. We're managing the affairs of another. In particular, in this circumstance, we're managing the affairs of the God of heaven. And here's what the God of heaven wants. He wants the whole world to hear what he's done for them. He wants everyone to know how much he loves them. He wants everyone to know what he's done to save them. And he wants me to carry that message to them. This is what Paul is saying. I'm a steward. I have a responsibility. I am a manager. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you'll turn there please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 16. 
Paul said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. <laughs> In other words, we might say, well, you know that Paul, he's a great guy. He's, he's just a wonderful guy. He has just given his life to preach the gospel. Isn't that a great and noble thing? I mean, that Paul, he's a blessing. We ought to give him some money. We ought to give him a pat on the back. We ought to pray for old Paul. I mean, look at what he's doing. Man, oh man, what a guy this Paul is. That's what we all might be tempted to say. But Paul said, I want you to understand that though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. In other words, this isn't about me. Paul is saying here, it's not because I'm a good guy. It's not because I'm a noble person or better than you that I have this desire to preach the gospel. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In other words, this is what he wants us to understand. He's not just doing it because he's a nice guy and he wants to help people. No, he's doing it because he's been called of God to do it. He's doing it because he is a debtor. Because he understands the grace of God has been freely given to him. And as a recipient of that grace, he now has a responsibility to carry that message to a lost and dying world. Why? Because somebody carried that message to him. And Jesus has commissioned us to carry that message to them. And so it's not like, well, I went on visitation. I deserve a pat on the back. I led somebody to the Lord. I deserve a pat on the back. No, woe is unto us if we don't do it. Necessity is laid on us. Who has laid that necessity on us? It is God. It is the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the stewardship that has been committed to us. Therefore, we have a responsibility to take the message of the gospel into all the world. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. You see, Paul's not only a Jew, he is a Roman citizen. His father's a Gentile. He was free born. He was not a slave. He was not a servant. He had all the rights of a Roman citizen. He said, though I be free from all men, notice what happens. Yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law being not uh, without law to God but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without the law to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some and this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you Here's what he said. I'm a free man. Nobody can tell me what to do. But yet, though I'm a free man and nobody can tell me what to do, this is what I do. I submit myself to the needs of the Jews and the barbarians, to the free and to the slaves. I become a servant to all men that I might by all means win all. In other words, I'm not living for myself. 
I'm living for God. This I do for the gospel's sake. I'm living for God. And I'm seeking to be God's messenger. And because I'm doing that, I'm willing to put aside what it is that I want, what it is that I need, so that I might become all things to all men. I have a burden for all men. And I'm going to submit myself to them. Well, that doesn't sound like the speech you're going to hear at the Rotary Club. You're, you're, you're not going to go to the leadership summit to hear a lot of things like that. They're not going to tell you to do that in the network marketing uh, seminar. You see, this goes against the grain. It goes against the grain of the American culture. It goes against the grain of our flesh. Here Paul is saying, I am a debtor. I owe a payment. Now we have a wonderful illustration of this. In 2 Kings chapter number uh, 2 Kings chapter number 7. <clears throat> a battle is ensuing outside the city. And the Assyrian army has surrounded the city and have cut it off. And the people inside the walls of the city are literally starving to death. It's desperation in the city. And there are four men who are leprous men. They can't live in the city because they have leprosy. They're living without the walls of the city. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter number 7 and verse number 3, there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. And we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Here's some guys with a terminal disease. They're going to die. But nobody's in a hurry to die. And these guys are starving to death. And they said, well, look, we got really no answers here. We can't, if we go in the city, number one, the people wouldn't let us in. But if we could get in the city, there's nothing to eat there, so let's don't do that. The only thing we can do is either sit here and we're going to die that way, or, hey, we can just take a, a chance and go to the enemy and see if they feed us. And if they kill us, they kill us. I mean, it really shows you how hopeless they were, right? How desperate they were. And they said, but they might feed us, and if so, we'll live Verse number five, and they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. <laughs> the enemy's gone. For the Lord, verse number six, had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight. And left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Here's the enemy. They got the city on lockdown. Their enemies are dying inside the city gates. And God just sends a little noise through that town or that camp. And here's what they 
persuade, they, they're convinced they hear, they, hear the, they hear the moving wheels of the chariots of the Egyptians and the others that Israel apparently hired against them. And here's what happens. They convince themselves they're about to get defeated. And so they take and they run. Hey, let me tell you something. Do you know God can change circumstances in just a moment? Don't despair, Christian. God is in control. And so here the army's gone. These lepers walk into the camp and the soldiers are all gone. They're not going to die. And so they start walking through the tent. Checking out what's inside. I mean, they're all gone. Look here. Look at all these tents. Man, maybe there's something to eat in there. Maybe a bologna sandwich or something that I can enjoy. Verse 8, when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. Man, they found filet mignon. And carried thence silver and golden raiment. They, they, got, they got some new clothes and some, some money. And they went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. And they said one to another, we do not well. This is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. I mean, here are these guys that are going to these tents and they're saying, oh, you know, hey, look here. <laughs> new clothes, plenty of food. Here's some gold. Let's go in the next tent. Wow, same stuff. Let's go hide it. And they're enjoying it. And they're eating. And they're having a great time. And they're saying, man, this is all wonderful. And then, all of a sudden, something occurs to them. The people in the city are starving. And they said, verse 9, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. The enemy's gone. The starving people inside who were eating doves' dung and horses' heads because that's all there was to eat are going to be in just a few minutes dining sumptuously because of God's power over the enemy and God's provision. Now, can I tell you, when we were desperate, when we were without God, when we had no hope, when we had the sentence of death in ourselves, Jesus Christ defeated the devil and won the victory. And he has supplied for us all the things that we need. We've been blessed. Uh, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. We've been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Friend, everything we need, we have it. Thanks be unto God for that. And we can enjoy it. By the way, some of you aren't enjoying it. But we can enjoy it. But it's not just ours to enjoy. Because we do not well. Because this is a day of good tidings. And so many of us hold our peace. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody to think we're a little bit 
out there. We, we don't want to seem a little too carried away. We hold our peace while the world goes to hell. Number one, the payment of the gospel. Let me give you number two, the preparation of the gospel. Paul said in verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. It's a pretty interesting term, isn't it? For as much as in me is. In other words, what's in me and as much as in me is, I am now ready to preach the gospel. Can I ask you a question? What has God put into you? And what have others put into you? I'm going to tell you, there's some people who've invested their life in me. You heard from some of them last week on Sunday night. For as much as in me is, there's a whole lot that Jesus has invested in me and he's invested in you. For as much as in me is, I am now ready to preach the gospel. Pre preparation. Preparedness. The Bible said that we're to be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth within us. You know why we're not prepared and ready? Because we're too consumed with ourselves. Well, you don't understand. When I get, when I get married, I'll serve the Lord. No, you won't. If you're not doing it now, you won't do it then. Uh, if I can ever get my business to a certain level and I can get a certain income where I can back off just a little bit and I, can, I don't have to step aside. I mean, I, you don't understand, Pastor. I got to pour all my life into this right now. Oh, friend, you don't have to pour all your life into that right now. What you have to pour all your life into is Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Either you believe that or you don't. Are we seeking him first? Boy, if I, if I can just, you know, if I can get my kids raised, get through this stage in life, boy, if I can just barely hang on to make it, I'm going to serve God. No, you won't serve God then. You give it to him now. You be ready now. Let's tell people about Jesus now. The Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. May the Lord help us. For as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. The preparation. There's the payment he owed and the preparation. He was ready to go. Let me give you the third thing. That's the power. The power of the gospel. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Can I ask you a question? How much power does God have? Sometimes we sing the song and we'll have the kids sing it. God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. How many of you believe that's true? God can do anything 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 God can do anything but fail the question was is there anything too hard for God 
Can God save this bunch of liberal, God-denying, atheistic group that raises its voice against him? Can he do it? Yes. When's the last time you prayed for him to do it? Can God change a life? Can God save a soul? Absolutely. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Explosive power. Dynamite power of God. You know, when, when these guys are building roads or trying to mine something, what they do to break up that earth, you know, that earth is separating them from their goal, whether it be gold or whether it be clearing off a spot for the land so they can have the road. When they need that earth to be moved, that mountain to be moved, they put that dynamite in there and they light it and it blows. That dynamite does what no man can do. Can I tell you, God's power can move mountains. God's power can break strongholds. God's power can save souls and transform lives. Now here's Paul. He's a weak guy. He's trembly. He's weak. He has an infirmity in the flesh. And he's going to march into Rome with more power than any army or any centurion or any Caesar ever had because what he has is the power of the gospel. And though he's going to be ultimately in a Roman dungeon and executed uh, by a Roman executioner, going to be, be beheaded, I want to tell you that man's impact and that man's life has lived on far beyond the impact in life of any Caesar or any soldier because he carried the message of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. How many of you are familiar with the power of God? Oh, the power of God can deliver the drug addict. The power of God can cleanse the sinner. The power of God can restore the home. The power of God can, can, give, uh, can, can, can uh, win victory over the gates of hell. That is the power of God. And that is the power of the gospel. And Paul said, because it's so powerful, I'm not ashamed. In other words, he didn't walk into Rome and say, I hope I don't offend anybody. I'm sorry. Let me slide a gospel track under the table. Maybe you'll see it later. No. He went in preaching with boldness the wonderful soul-saving message of the gospel. Do you know what we need as a church? Do you know what this pastor needs to do? Can I confess to you? We need to get back to believing in the power of the gospel. We need to get back to preaching the message of the gospel. Not just in the pulpit on Sunday, but on the streets Monday through Saturday. We need to witness for Jesus. We need to tell people about him. By the way, we can't bring people to Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus. But we're the messengers to declare the message.
And I'll tell you this, if we'll declare it, depending on him, in obedience to him, filled with his power, we're going to see his power work in the lives of souls. Now listen, we can play church and pretend that everything's okay. Or we can get serious about what God's called us to do. And if America has any hope, it's in Bible preaching, Bible believing, gospel proclaiming churches and Christians who will be members of the body in the community in which we live. May God help us. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.